0: Hello and welcome to Read It for the Pictures, the comic book podcast where we read it for the pictures. I'm Dave Clark, and with me as always is a talking crow that came to me through a haunted mirror, Neil Caput. How you doing, Neil?
1: Ah! Today we have two comics: Extremity Number Four by Daniel Warren Johnson and Mark Spicer, and Dark Knight Three: The Master Race Number Nine. Written by Frank Miller and Brian Azzarello. Illustrated by Andy Kubert, Klaus Janson, and in a mini-comic, Frank Miller. Yeah, The Master Race.
0: Yeah, well, Master Race is probably the biggest one to talk about, so why don't we start with that one?
1: Okay, we'll start with this. Well, first of all, should we give some background to our readers on Frank the Tank Miller and why this is or at least once would have been influential.
0: Well, I imagine the two people who listen to this probably have a bit of background with uh, Frank Miller. But yes, a quick summary.
1: Um, Okay, Frank Miller, working in comics since the 70s, Made a name for himself by writing and drawing a darker and edgier daredevil that people actually cared about. Mate really became big with his dystopian future Batman story, The Dark Knight Returns. Is probably best known to the man on the street as the creator of Sin City, which got two movies. And as, spirit. Oh yes, that movie with Samuel Jackson in a Nazi uniform as the villain known as The Octopus. And he's also been quite determined to ruin the goodwill he built up since then with such things as Batman Holy Terror. Oh, wait, it was too racist and sexist for DC. So he just did it as Holy Terror. And from what I hear, had hired someone to erase the ears off of his Batman. I mean, yeah. That's the kind of job where whatever paycheck you get for it is immediately going to the liquor store so that you can forget having done it. Yeah, or oh, perhaps this is, what, issue seven? Nine, it's the end of the third Dark Knight miniseries because apparently Miller is going to do a fourth himself. This one was largely Miller's ideas done by writer Brian Azzarello and artists Andy Kubert and Klaus Janson.
0: Picking up from the wanting to forget holy terror track, perhaps not. I, I haven't read the earlier issues of this, so maybe you've got some more background, but are the bad guy cryptodians in this supposed to be coded Middle Eastern or
1: I does... don't think so. I think this they're just the people of the microscopic city of Candor blown up to full size with the desire to take over Earth. The story, since we are reading it for the pictures, and since I was only reading it for the pictures, specifically Andy Kubert's pictures, we can probably just leave that out. But suffice to say, this is a happy ending for the story, which does have the grumpy old Batman's youth restored and has the bad guys defeated with nary a casualty on the good guy's side. But the costumes, the...
0: Kryptonians are wearing when they attack Supergirl. You didn't get any sort of
1: Middle Eastern coding out of that? I think there's enough plausible deniability there with the fact that people who, as far as I can tell, are not racist, are actually did the comic. So whatever horrible, horrible ideas Frank Miller has about Muslims... Yeah...
0: This is basically a
1: Dragon Ball Z comic, though, isn't it? Largely, yeah. And it's not really a Batman comic, because he purposefully is sidelined so that Superman can do his thing. Yeah,
0: it's about some aliens who show up, and then they have a big punch-up in the middle of a a field, but with, like, mountains everywhere. And it ends with the aliens blowing up.
1: And then a happy ending with Batman and Batgirl or Batwoman or I guess this was this is Carrie Kelly, the female Robin from the original Dark Knight. She was 13 then, and it seems that Bruce Wayne has raised her into a perfect girlfriend for him. Uh, we
0: we are going to have to talk about this story. Cause, yes,
1: we are.
0: <laughs> but let's do what we can to sort of talk about the main points of the art and I think probably the best place to start with it would be the mini comic at the back which
1: is drawn by Frank Miller himself I know that Klaus Janssen the inker for both the mini comic by Miller and the main comic by Kubert has a very overpowering inking style so it doesn't look as Frank Miller-y as one might suspect because people are not as grotesque in their proportions and faces. Like, I imagine when you put this up on the blog, you're going to have that image of Superman by Frank Miller that I showed you. That was one of the
0: covers for the earlier issues, though, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, but I think it bears not forgetting that. Though, then again, like, you saw the pinup in this issue that Miller did of Superman Wonder Woman's daughter Lara, where the character who appears. Elsewhere to be in her 20s looks at least in her 60s. In the mini-comic, she looks like you'd expect, but there's a pin-up after the main story in the main comic, and yes, they did this weird thing where... There's a mini-comic backup in the main comic. They couldn't have just had it be a regular backup.
0: Oh, God, yeah, I just found that pin-up. For some reason, that refused to enter my brain when I was reading it. <laughs> that aside, the thing that struck me about the mini-comic was it'd be easier for someone who wasn't that deep into comics to, look at, to just look at Mark Miller stuff and go, oh, this dude isn't very good at drawing. And to some degree, yeah, he's not as good as he was when he was doing dark knight returns but there is like it is a deliberate stylization that is going on well he drew
1: fairly realistically way back in daredevil and he's steadily been exaggerating his style ever since it really started with dark knight when you could see like some of the characters had pretty strong structural anatomy changes where you could tell they were cartoon characters batman being like this huge slab of weary muscle
0: like yeah there is a sort of like it's exaggeration and like it's not exactly simplification but it's like it's deliberately trying to get a sense of like lucky weight across with what it's doing and i think that's back having mostly flat ish coloring in the main
1: comic or in the mini comic oh in the mini comic do you find the coloring a bit murky for at least the opening sequences with the other heroes not superman and lara just that they had two different colorists. The main one was stories by Brad Anderson. The mini-comic is by Alex Sinclair, and I thought that was striking because the mini-comic has more standard real-is-murky coloring, while the main comic by Brad Anderson, the coloring... It's a lot flatter and bolder for the figures themselves. The backgrounds are saturated and gradient-y, but they make sure the line work is visible and pops, because this is both artists under Klaus Janssen really use a lot of thick blacks and relatively simplified shapes.
0: That's actually what I was going to uh, point to. In backup comic, the colors seem to be like a lot more straightforward, and I, I think there's a part where the flasher's hand is moving, or when the atom is shrinking, but otherwise all of the line work is just solid black. It's very much trying to communicate: this is black ink, and there's color on, un- and there's color underneath it, and it's like all about selling that. Black ink has
1: gone kind of out of vogue in mainstream comics, I guess, because they try to really sell the computer coloring more. When you do see it, it's striking and not in the best ways. Probably, as all the artists here, except the colorists, are shall we say older guys from a boost started work in a much different age of comics.
0: Well, it's actually, on the last page of the mini-comic, there's a lens flare on top of, like, this solid black ink building, and it looks really out of place compared to the rest of the mini-comic, which, tr- like, tries to look, like, way more traditional, and I guess it kind of works, but it also, I don't know, it struck me as jarring, did that? I- yeah,
1: this whole thing is a very strange exercise. And I do think the coloring in the mini-comic is significantly more out of place with what this comic is or isn't trying to achieve.
0: But it's sort of, yeah, just flicking through the main story, it's weird. It seems like there's glow on top of everything. And all the characters have like a bunch of rendering on top of what are really blocky shapes, like it's Like, the inking is trying to evoke Frank Miller, and then the colouring in the main story is trying to be like a traditional superhero comic that tries to be real realistic, and it comes across as not really satisfying in either direction. I don't know,
1: I thought that the main comic's art was pretty strong, actually. I mean, there is a lot of thick blacks, but the colours... They're bright, but they're not particularly saturated, so it does look like a traditional superhero comic on glossier paper. The artist, Andy Kubert, he is a fairly exaggerated superhero artist in his proportions, but he manages to keep it at least semi-plausible, unlike Frank Miller's more recent work, and he's done a pretty good job here of selling the action sequences, and since this is mostly just a big action sequence, it is good to... to see his Superman as a rubbery mass of muscle pummeling his enemies. And I also thought the layouts here are pretty cl- clever. There's a lot of cases where you see tiny panels superimposed onto big panels. It's like reaction shots so that while Superman's having this fight scene where he apparently proves that he's been holding back all this time and is a much more brutal fighter than we ever gave him credit for, you. You can see, like, Batman's and Batwoman's reactions to his ballet of violence, or you can see, like, and this is one of my favorite comics devices that too rarely gets used, the x-ray panels of him breaking the bones, all of more, the more recent Mortal Kombat games.
0: Maybe Maybe I'm reading into this, but, like, it's... Like, half like this is half a Dragon Ball Z comic, and then you've got Mortal Kombat overlay stuff, and then you've got a bit of political
1: satire at the end, if we can call it that. I guess it's trying to evoke what the original Dark Knight did with all the political talking heads commenting as civilizations crumbling down around them. Here, it just seems kind of gratuitous and out of nowhere, and plus, this is only a few years after the original Dark Knight, which was set in the 80s, so did... Trump become present in this reality, too?
0: The thing, it just struck me more as, like, that's what people are talking about these days, so may as well throw
1: it. thing is, Frank Miller himself is known for doing that political caricature in his stories and grotesquely exaggerated caricatures, in some cases showing a bit of overt racism, like when he drew the Obamas in Holy Terror. But Kubert and Jansen seem to have, reined it in and they reined it in on on people who you'd be forgiven for them making as grotesque as possible if anything i think he made donald look more handsome here
0: yeah a cartoonish exaggerated trump what would that look
1: like perhaps in doing so it went around the other way since i don't think it's a bit pretty dramatic political statement to say that Donald Trump is literally a cartoon supervillain. Yeah. So we've got a backup
0: story, which is perhaps uninspired, but is very much Frank Miller's unique type of art. And you've got a a main story, which is like, Current working superhero artists trying to ape that style but with traditional coloring. And I'm not sure there's really that much more to say about it. I had, like, I was thinking that trying to do realistic rendering on that type of art is maybe missing the point. Well, it's
1: not as realistic as, as other inkers might do. It's still very much a Klaus Janssen inked comic. And while Andy Kubert, with other inkers, usually does far more detailed artwork, it's not as detailed here. Lineworks still seems pretty sparse by comparison. I'll admit that Andy Kubert is one of the artists I'll follow on pretty much anything he does. The only recent book he did that I didn't purchase was the Before Watchmen Night Owl thing he did.
0: Getting very political with comics today.
1: Yes, all the politics of the 1980s, because... DC won't ever leave that era.
0: Yes. So try and prevent us going around in circles forever. Why don't you try and sum up, why does this comic exist?
1: To milk whatever nostalgia is left for Frank Miller and his DC work. I'll
0: be a bit more generous, and I'll say that... Green Lantern, with one hand floating around, is hilarious. That's reason enough to do a few pages. A gigantic army of Kryptonians being taken down by flocks of bats is also hilarious.
1: Yeah, there are some clever set pieces here. And Batman- I do genuinely like the scenes of Superman street fighting. Batman giving
0: super brooding over-the-top dialogue about how co- how cool
1: superman is is kind of funny well it's ironic given how the original dark knight went bent over backwards to emasculate superman yeah, now superman
0: can punch and kick and do karate as good as batman so now he is also cool
1: right the bone breaking punches um, i guess because superman apparently fights like arkham video game batman now he has frank miller batman's approval the like the
0: supervillains threatening to blow up the earth and then the atom shrinking them down that's funny it's
1: definitely an audacious comic
0: if I pitched you this plot you'd think it, you'd think it was hilarious
1: yeah but that would be if you pitched to be it here it's more of Frank the one-trick pony kind of doing his own thing and having people who still have a bit more respect for not being crazy creepy racists and sexists doing the legwork oh, also the whole comic
0: is about how cool Superman is because he can do punching and then it ends with Carrie Kelly saying oh my colorful costume was too lame I need to be cool and
1: dark but far better that than a green and purple Batgirl costume that she's wearing.
0: I don't know. Is Frank Miller trying to get out of having to do this stuff?
1: I don't know what the deal with Frank Miller is these days. There's unfortunately been some speculation that he's quite ill given his appearance at more recent conventions and the fact that so much of this was delegated. I hope that's not the case.
0: Crazy Frank Miller made a crazy comic. But yes, moving on to another crazy comic. Extremity, number four. This was my pick.
1: Yeah, and you picked a much better comic. I picked one that I thought would be interesting to look at. You picked one that's actually good. This seems to be what happens quite a bit. It's all right. I'll choose a terrible one next week. Thank you. I did have quite a bit of appreciation for this comic. The basic premise is that it's this kind of fantasy world that's... Well, it's a bunch of floating islands with steampunk-style airships. And it's about warring clans, and the protagonist is a woman who was an artist, but she lost her hand and her mother to a rival tribe. So now, having replaced her hand with this kind of, it's a really striking prosthetic tube. It's got a blade that retracts and extracts I mean, it's not like any kind of substitute for a hand with an opposable thumb but it does represent her state of mind
0: yeah it um like at first it just reads like she's holding a sword but yeah it's actually an artificial limb that's a big knife it's a,
1: definitely fits the overall aesthetic of the story and the characters it this is not a pretty world. There's maybe something's beautiful, but like it's very funky and rustic in its technology. The thing you may notice is that the animals they ride into battle are giant bugs. There's like one guy's got a
0: big spider, another guy's got a praying mantis somewhere in the comic. Yeah,
1: and the people have this kind of Viking face paint on their faces. I guess they're going for kind of a Braveheart thing, or that's a different Nordic. Anglo-Saxon tribe, but they're, they're not exactly pretty and clean people here.
0: Like just jumping into the story midstream. It's actually like does a good job of communicating like the guys with the big red stripe on their face are one tribe and the guys with the green circle on their face are another tribe. So like yeah, it's functional for the story. Well,
1: it's good at communicating the kind of binary conflict this is and how both sides feel they have legitimate grievances against the other side. And it's very much about the circle of retaliation that draws out conflict. I can appreciate a story about a character who, having lost a limb, tries to deal with a phantom pain through their lust for revenge. Fortunately, it looks like this particular story will actually be finished.
0: Yeah. Everything comes back to Metal Gear. I've
1: got a jar that says Metal Gear references and I'm putting a dollar in it.
0: But yeah, it's um, you've, like you've got a page with a floating spaceship that's got like a really weird design. It's almost like the spaceship's wearing a cape and the page over there's like a floating island and then immediately under that there's like a stable with a giant praying mantis in it. And like there's a cool robot walking around. But even with all that cool design stuff, the main thrust of the comic is these big chunky men punching each other yeah
1: there is a very good scene of violence between the main character's father and the man who killed her mother and his wife and it's a very good ballet of brutal violence
0: is that just an expression that's entered the common usage now ballet of violence i
1: don't know i started using it because that's how i heard someone describe the combat in arkham city and i thought felt it appropriate
0: yeah fair enough even though the action in this like a fair few of the panels don't have backgrounds it doesn't feel as if it's happening in a gigantic open field the previous comic we read or like dragon ball z i guess that's because there's so much focus on the figures
1: how how do you get dragon ball z out of the previous comic other than the fact that Kryptonians are basically Saiyans.
0: Well, they're fighting in the middle of an empty expanse that's got a few rocky mountains around. That's where, like, everything happened in Dragon
1: Ball. Yeah, except things actually happened in that comic. It wasn't just 25 minutes of staring and grunting followed by five minutes or less of actual fighting. Well, that's implied. It's between the panels. obviously. So, like, between the panels, we get... Comments like, what? Kalel's power level is over 9,000?
0: Yeah, I, I, I mean, I imagine that, go, has, that can go unsaid. Like, yeah, that comic was a lot of posturing, and it's like, oh, you will bow down to me, I am the superior. Yeah, there's a lot of posturing in that one, but this is just a lot of sweaty people trying to hurt each other.
1: Well, even with the floating islands and caped robot walkers and praying mantis steeds... This is much more realistic violence. It's messy. It doesn't really author much catharsis for the viewer, especially since we see that the other guy has retired from violence and he's trying to settle down with his wife. And the heroes, such as they are, just come in to interrupt this with all this sweat and punching and stabbing.
0: Also... There's a cool bit at the end where someone crawls through a tunnel. And they make it a cross section.
1: Yeah, that is pretty impressive. And the machine, the weapon of mass destruction, which kind of like a giant cone shaped thing. Looks like a bit like a crab without pinchers, and you can definitely see all the pipes and tubes and even a little screen with a keyboard. I don't think trying to figure out what, how the technology in this world progressed from the earliest days of discovering fire would make any sense because they're still very much a feudal society, it seems, but they've got computers, and they've got transportation that spans air and sea. But yeah. that's often the case and it's it's visually interesting. It's visually satisfying.
0: Yeah, it's also got cool sound effects.
1: Oh yeah, there's a lot of sound effects here.
0: Yeah, this little sequence at the end with the robot with the taking
1: the... out his face and his apparent brain as a symbolic gesture of stopping the cycle of violence.
0: It's kinda cool how you can have like cool sound like you can have these cool comicy sound effects and also like in some of the action scenes, the figures have been simplified, but also there's a lot of attention to like tiny details in that, like the ripple of fabrics as bodies move, and like the weight of how characters.
1: Yeah, it's very detailed artwork. Yeah, and it does a really great job set, setting up this as a grungy world with less than pretty people and a lot of consequences for everything
0: yeah but also on uh, it's all that laid on top of like a really clear direct layout and figures like it's almost as if like the pared down simplification of frank miller which is like designed to just directly communicate the action that's going on it's like a whole lot of focus and detail was poured on top of that yeah it it's, works really well it's not quite like a, a Mobius sort of thing, which is just super noodly all over.
1: Oh, there's also some pretty impressive fight choreography. In addition to the faces, you can see like a bunch of different moves: punching, throws, headbutts. Gotta love the headbutt and using pretty much whatever is in the area to fight with like grabbing a rock yeah
0: i remember when i oh ages and ages ago when i was making a comic and i had a fight scene just me and a friend would we acted it out to try and get a sense of how the movement would work and i wouldn't be all that surprised to find that this person did the same
1: or at the very least got some action figures together but it does have a real sense of weight and gravity to it
0: so yeah extremity it's a good comic should. You
1: should. The yeah. other one, I imagine, yeah.
0: I imagine I'll be coming back to an extremity when it's in a trade. Be nice to read all together at once. And I don't imagine I'll be coming back for any more of Dark Knight three or Dark Knight four. Or hell, Dark Knight five if it comes
1: out. Did you at least read Dark Knight two at any point?
0: No, I don't need to do that to myself.
1: It was interesting. Frank Miller drew it all, and. The colors by his ex- now ex wife, Lynn Varley, had like these really distinct neon tones that felt completely out of place. Might at least give it a try. It was something. Uh, the
0: salesman, as always. But yes, I've been Dave Clark. You can find my stuff at daveclarkart.com.
1: And I'm Neil Caput. You can find me at wirecats.com, W Y R E dot com. I have a domain name now. Ooh,
0: yes. Until next time, see ya. Bye.